Blog Talk Radio. gentlemen, and welcome to the Rifleman Radio Show on Appleseed Radio. The Rifleman Radio Show is a project, or sponsored by the Appleseed Project, which is the sole project of the Revolutionary War Veterans Association. The Revolutionary War Veterans Association is dedicated to bringing you the absolute best fundamentals of rifle marksmanship program in the nation today. And while we're at that, we're going to be talking to you about American heritage, American history, what it means to be an American, how the folks who stood together on April 19, 1775, what they made their sacrifices for and why. The folks that were involved in uh, the events of that day and the reasons why they did it. We'll talk to you about uh, what the founders message uh, for America is, and and how it was never meant, uh, the American Revolution was never meant to end. The American Revolutionary War, of course, had a beginning and an ending. It was begun in order to achieve a goal, and once it achieved that goal, then the American Revolutionary War ended. The American Revolution, however, was never meant to end. It was meant to be a continual, a continuing experience of expanding uh, individual freedoms and liberties. And when I say individual freedoms and liberties, I don't mean. Uh, <clears throat> I think a lot of people misunderstand uh, the premise of that. We don't. We don't have, uh, or we're not uh, focused on individual freedoms and liberties. Rather, we're focused on collective 
freedoms and liberties, and individual responsibility. That means that each and every American citizen has a responsibility to safeguard the freedoms and liberties that living in this nation affords us. And that's what we're going to talk to you about at an Appleseed Rifle Marksmanship Weekend. The Appleseed Program is an all-volunteer, it's a nationwide, all-volunteer, grassroots, nonprofit organization. And uh, we're growing uh, at the, faster than any other organization has ever grown before us. There's been, uh, th- there is no model that we can follow because there's never been an organization that has grown as fast uh, as we're growing. And, uh, and that is directly uh, attributed to the folks that we have in the program, the volunteers that we have. They're the absolute best folks in the nation. And if you want to meet some other like-minded folks, if you want to meet some folks that uh, are simply the best American has to offer, then come to a rifle, Appleseed Rifle Marksmanship event. And listen, <clears throat> when I said like-minded, I don't mean that uh, the, all of the folks are going to think the same way, or that they're all going to be, uh, uh, that, that everyone is going to be a uh, Republican or a Libertarian, because I can tell you that that's absolutely not the case. Uh, I have plenty of folks that uh, have come to the program, plenty of instructors too, that uh, that are not uh, from the right side. They're from uh, the progressive or left side. There, there are Democrats. There are Republicans. There are conservatives and progressives and libertarians. There are folks of all colors. There are men, there are women, there are children. Just as the Constitution was not made uh, for one specific type person or party, neither is the Appleseed Project. We we welcome everyone. We welcome all the races, religions, all political parties. They all, everyone has a right uh, to the American heritage, to American history, to rifle marksmanship, and we want to give it to you. All right. And so, if if my spiel has uh, has caused you to decide to attend an event, then your next question is going to be, how do I get there? <clears throat> and I'll tell you what you do. You go to rwva.org, uh, Romeo Whiskey Victor Alpha. Dot org rwva.org and that's our homepage. You can also get there by going to uh, appleseedusa.org or appleseedinfo.org. That'll take you to the homepage. On the homepage, we have uh, several links across the top, several tabs. The second one from the left says Appleseed. If you put your cursor on that Appleseed tab, you'll get a drop-down menu. And on the drop-down menu, the second one down says Schedule. You click on Schedule, and that will take you to the scheduling page. On that page, you'll see a a map of the United States in green. You can either put your cursor onto the state where you would like to attend and click on it, and that will drop the events for that state. Or you can uh, click. There's a hot link embedded in the text. 
that will let you uh, see all of the events across the nation. <clears throat> and if you want to see all the events across the nation, you can click on that. All right. <clears throat> Once you get to that page that has the where the events are listed, what you'll do then is you'll look for the city where you'd like to attend. It'll have it listed uh, from top to bottom by date. And then... Uh, Beside that, it will have the city in alphabetical order next to the state for that date. Um, let's take, for example, the first date here is Ashland, Kentucky, April 2nd and 3rd. So that's how it's listed. And the next one down would be Bate City, Missouri, April 2nd and 3rd. So you'll find the location where you would like to attend. Now, once you've found the location and you've made your decision to attend an event, don't wait. There's two hot links right beside uh, the the location and date. The first one says information. That will tell you about the uh, the information that you'll need to know for that specific location on that specific date. It'll give you the uh, where the event is happening and uh, directions there, contact information for the folks or for the range, and uh, usually will include uh, other bits of information such as uh, nearby hotels, restaurants, etc. Uh, any special uh, rules, regulations for that particular event, for that particular date. Don't assume that uh, just because you've read the information for one event that they're all the same because they're not. All right, right under that link is another link that says register. Now, this is an important link because if you click on this link, it'll take you to uh, our third-party software that is Eventbrite is who we're using, and that uh, they do the pre-registration for us. And the reason you want to pre-register is because uh, because the days of of being able to uh, walk on to an apple seed is uh, uh, I'm not going to say that they're over, but I'm saying that you're taking your you're taking your chances by not pre-registering. You may get to an event, and you may uh, you may have to peel potatoes instead of uh, shooting, and uh, that's not going to be that's not going to be the choice that I would take. Not only that, if you pre-register, then you're doing us a favor by letting us know that you're coming. We're having events all across the nation every weekend. Every weekend. Across the United States, there is an Appleseed Rifle Marksmanship Clinic within reasonable driving distance of you. That's every weekend of the year across the United States. That means that we're having to we're having to make sure that we have instructors scheduled uh, for over a thousand events this year. Have instructors scheduled uh, at each of these events and. Uh, and they're going to have to have ways to get there, either by driving or flying. If they've got to fly, they're going to need uh, airline reservations, uh, hotel reservations. Uh, we're going to need uh, to ship enough uh, supplies and gear there for the event. We'll have to secure uh, porta potties in cases. And all of this stuff, what we gauge, uh, how we gauge what we're going to use is by the number of folks who pre-registered. So you're doing us a favor 
uh, in addition to making sure that you have a place on the line, you're doing us a favor by pre-registering. It helps us uh, with the scheduling and shipping and paperwork, etc. So once again, you go to rwva.org. That's the home page. On the home page, look at the tabs across the top. Uh, second one from the left says Apple Tea. Put your cursor on that. You'll get a drop-down menu. On the drop-down menu, select Schedule. That will take you to the page that has the map of the USA. On the map of the USA, click on your state where you'd like to attend, and you'll get a listing of the events. Once you get the events, go ahead and make a decision. Make a decision to do this. Don't just think about going to an Apple Seed event. Go. Make a decision, select an event, and go. Uh, uh, otherwise, why are you even looking at it, right? Uh, this is two days out of the 365 days, two days, they can make a huge difference in your life, not just in your life, but in the life of your family, in the future of your community, your state, and your nation. The Appleseed Project is like a uh, a large, uh, a huge Paul Revere machine, and it's also comparable to a huge, uh, a huge NASA launching pad. Because what we do is we're going out across the nation and we're trying to wake people up. We're trying to get people off the couches and and get them uh, plugged back in to their lives, into the lives of this nation, into the uh, into the decision-making process, into the guidance and the safeguarding of this nation. Once we've got them... Uh, off the couch and at an event, then we're going to talk to them about what it means to be an American. You guys, I've told you guys this many times before, that being an American is not granted to you by by virtue of, of a slip filled in on a piece of paper. Being an American... You're an American when you, whenever you realize you have a sacred obligation to safeguarding the freedoms and liberties that living in this nation affords you. And that's what we're going to talk to you about. We think it's, uh, we think it's very, very important. And, and although in many cases you don't know it, you do too. All right, so you're going to get yourself uh, signed up for an Appleseed Rifle Marksmanship event. Then you're going to go back to the uh, home page, and you're going to read the stuff that we have there. And uh, we've got a really good home page, and the, the guys have worked hard about it, hard on it. And you go back to the, uh, to the tabs across the top, and you'll see uh, the different links that they have, look at the Appleseed tab again, and go down and you'll read it. Why April 19th? Why come to an event? How to prepare to attend an event? Appleseed is not a competition. Uh, You're not going to be coming here to compete against anyone but yourself. Nonetheless, there are some things that you can do to get ready. Uh, We'll give you suggestions on what types of rifles uh, work best, not because Appleseed 
is a uh, is a competition that you can game. A lot of people get a little bit tweaked about this when we talk about uh, about the different rifles to use, or if we talk about uh, different techniques to use to to say shoot uh, some of the diagnostic uh, tools during the Appleseed Rifle Marksmanship Weekend. A lot of people start talking about uh, that we're gaming it, and the and we're not. And even if you even if you figure out a way to game the uh, the AQT, which is a diagnostic tool we use, if, if you can figure out a way to game the AQT, good luck to you. All right. the The reason we're going to suggest certain rifles is because they're going to be easier for you to learn on. Now, once you've learned these skills and techniques that we're going to show you in an Appleseed Weekend, they'll be applicable to any and all rifles. And you won't, you don't have to have a certain rifle to attend. You can attend with any rifle you want uh, within reason. We have got uh, a few uh, disclaimers, nothing over 32 caliber, uh, just because of the distance that the projectile travels. It's uh, hard to it's hard to get some place that uh, where you can shoot a uh, a 32 plus uh, large bore centerfire rifle because uh, you have such a long travel distance on the projectile. Other than that, you can bring any type of rifle you want a bolt action, a lever action, a tube fed, a magazine fed, a single shot. It doesn't matter. We're going to teach you to shoot the rifle you brought. However, if you bring a uh, magazine fed semi automatic rifle, it's going to be a little bit easier for you to learn some of the skills and techniques because you're not going to have to be breaking your position uh, on every round that you fire. Okay, so you're going to go to the home page. You're going to see the uh, – you're going to understand why we're doing what we're doing. And you may not understand it there. You may not understand it to get to an Appleseed Rifle Marksmanship event. <clears throat> it's It's hard to tell people or to explain to people what we're doing. It's, it's almost like – it's almost like me trying to tell you how a fresh, hot loaf of home-cooked bread tastes when you take it out of the oven and you take that first bite. I can talk to you about it all day. I can describe uh, the the steam coming off the uh, the hot piece of fresh baked bread and, the, and the, the softness of the flesh of the bread, but that's not going to matter until you taste that piece of bread. It's not going to matter. The only way you're, you're going to understand what we do is by coming to an event. <clears throat> it's a very unique uh, organization giving the instruction in a unique way. Now, that being said, <clears throat> our instructional material is not something that we just cooked up out of our heads. This isn't uh, these techniques that we're going to teach you are not techniques that uh, that are brand new and untried. The stuff that we're teaching you comes straight out of the knowledge bank handed down to us from 500 years of firearms uh, experience. What we've done is we've put it into a nice, uh, easy-to-swallow horse pill so that we can give you all of the fundamentals of rifle marksmanship in a two-day in a weekend. Now, this doesn't mean that you're going to master these skills and techniques, but you're going to be—they're going to have them presented to you. I'm only going to give you uh, 
the written material, handouts and stuff to go along with the course. You may not be able to master it in a weekend because most folks don't even master it in a lifetime. But we're going to give you all of the skills and techniques to put you on the path to becoming the master of your rifle. And we can do that in one weekend. Now, it may take you uh, three or four or five Appleseed weekends to make it to Rifleman Standards. And Rifleman Standards are four minutes of arc. And four minutes of arc means that we want you to put ten rounds into a one-inch square at 82 feet in 60 seconds. Now, that sounds like or I've had people tell me that that's child's play. That's easy to do. Anybody could do that. Uh, 25 meters. Oh, my gosh, you're kidding me. You know, that's, uh, uh, that's so simple. <clears throat> Listen, if you think that's the case, come to an Appleseed Rifle Marksmanship event. We've got, we got a place for you on the line. You can show us how easy it is to put 10 rounds into a one-inch square at 82 feet. Because after doing hundreds of these events, let me tell you, I I've yet to see. Well, there's maybe been there may have been three or four folks who could uh, straight out of the uh, straight out of the shoot do this. Now, that's opposed to the hundreds of folks who told me they could do it before they got here. <clears throat> Come to an Appleseed Rifle Marksmanship event, and we will give you the skills and techniques. We'll give you the fundamentals of rifle marksmanship so that you will be able to shoot to four minutes of arc and above that. <clears throat> now, remember that four minutes of arc at 25 meters is one inch. But this is all a geometric uh, problem. Anybody that's been shooting for a while understands the understands ballistics and geometry. Shooting is all about ballistics and geometry. And if you can shoot to four minutes of arc at 25 meters, that means you can shoot to four minutes of arc at 100, 200, 300, 400, 500, 1,000 meters. You're still shooting to four minutes of arc. And if you don't understand that, we'll be glad to explain it to you during the IMC, inches, minutes, and clicks portion of the uh, instruction on Saturday. All right, let me, uh, let me get back to the upcoming dates very quickly. I think what we're going to do, we'll... Uh, We'll run through the dates. Uh, we'll run through the dates near the end of the show uh, because uh, we've got our guest tonight is uh, Chris Knox from the Firearms Coalition. Chris has been on the show uh, several times uh, in the past, and he's just an absolutely fantastic guest. He's a great man, and uh, and he's doing a uh, he's doing a great job. Uh, with his brother Jeff Knox at the Firearms Coalition. Jeff and Chris are the sons of Neil Knox, and together this family has uh, has been working on uh, writing about and defending the uh, American gun rights owners. They're defending the rights of American gun owners uh, for almost 50 years now. So I'm going to go ahead and bring Chris onto the show now. Chris, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Adam. I appreciate the I appreciate the kind words. Well, we appreciate what what you you and your family are doing because you guys have been at this for a for quite a while now, and and there's not a 
nobody has let up. I mean, you guys have been doing it, uh, uh, well, let's see. Your dad started back in the 60s, right? Because he started out with uh, Guns and Ammo and uh, and the old Guns magazine. Uh, before he became a gun rights advocate, he was writing articles for Guns and Ammo, right? Yeah, he was. Uh, this goes all the way back to 65 and 66. Uh, he became a, he was writing in uh, Guns, Guns and Ammo. I remember going with him on a, a dove hunt that he ended up turning into an article for Southern Outdoors. I don't, I haven't been able to find that one. Uh, he, I wanted to find it because it had mention of me in it. I was, uh, I was shagging birds for him. But we, uh, <laughs> but we were, uh, we've been soaking in this for uh, as long as we know, as long as we can remember, and we don't know how to do anything else. Well, that's that's exactly that's my point. Is that you guys have been immersed in this your whole lives, and uh, and a wonderful legacy. And now <clears throat> you've continued on in the same vein, and and you're doing an absolutely great job. Now, I told folks, uh, now I think we talked about it last time you were on. You've been with the Alpha program just about since we started, and uh, and I remember you wrote uh, a great piece uh, a couple of years ago, uh, and. Uh, and you've been a supporter of the program all along. And, you know, one of the things that the Appleseed Project that, that we don't do is what we call iceberging. And uh, that is uh, the, the ideology behind Appleseed is that uh, we're not uh, – we can't change the weather so we're going to try and change the climate. You know, the weather, it's going to rain this week, it's going to snow, it's going to sleet, or there's going to be hail or whatever. Every every day is something different. Uh, you know, this this week it will be uh, the Republicans, next, next week it will be the Democrats. It doesn't really matter because it's always going to be changing until you get up to the point where you change the climate. And once you change the climate, then then everything changes then. You don't get the icebergs because the weather doesn't allow them to form in the first place. And by icebergs, what I'm talking about, and I know that you, good grief, you've got to see this much more than me, and that is your your email inbox completely filled up with uh, with emails saying, "Look out for uh, for House Bill X Y Z," or or the uh, the emails where you have. Uh, uh, we have folks that have dredged up something from 10 or 11 years ago, and they say, hurry, alert, alert, emergency. Uh, you, have to, you have to declare your, your firearms on your income tax this year. And, uh, and it's a lot of wasted effort. And, and we just feel like the best thing to do is not to get involved in that. However, we still need to make sure, because we tell people to get involved in their on-the-ground level uh, and in their local areas. We tell people that they have to get involved in in being the government and running the government as we the people. So so that's one of the reasons that I asked you to come on is because I'd like to hear from you, and I'm sure our listeners would too, the things that right now that are directly uh, affecting us or most, uh, the things that are most important Affecting it because I just got I've got the uh, coalition letter uh, from uh, this last weekend talking about the uh, the gun ban 
<clears throat> so if you wouldn't mind talking to us about some of the things that are coming up uh, this year, some of the things that have already that have already that we managed to miss uh, in the last year, some of the things coming up in the coming days, and what we can best do to position ourselves to be on the right side of defending our constitutional rights. Well, and this is uh, this is one thing, and I know I have to tread a, a careful line here because Appleseed is a nonprofit, and I'm not going to advocate, I'm not going to call to action that people go out and do something against one bill or uh, for another or vote for uh, vote for Senator Bedfellow. But what I can tell you is actually what's going on, and we can do a. Uh, it can be put it under the heading of educational. Right. Uh, it. It is an educational, you know, well, it's it's worth knowing or it's worth remembering that uh, we all have a civic duty to vote, to be involved, to be the government, because if, if you aren't the government, somebody else will be. And there's lots of people that are lining up to, uh, to volunteer for that job, and some of them you might not want them to do what they'd like to do. So... Um, it's uh, just as it is the duty, and I, I, I love this about Appleseed, that we have to honor our heritage as Americans, uh, the rifleman heritage. We also have to honor the civic involvement heritage. And, you know, and I've at one time, uh, oh, I've seen controversies and guys saying, that, oh, we got to be got to be ready because the blood's going to be running in the streets. And, you know, if we're prepared for that, the beauty of the Second Amendment is that if we are ready for such things to happen, they won't happen. Exactly. When the government, when the government fears the people, we have a healthier situation. We've got uh, – it's, it's less dangerous for the people, and the politicians have to worry about what the people actually think. Now, well, the way that we explain it at the Appleseed events, and I know you know this mm -hmm. because we, because you've been to an event before. Is that oh yeah. We tell the folks, look, uh, you know, if you came here expecting a message about revolution or armed insurrection, etc., et then this isn't the place for you because the message that we're going to give you is that that was already done. That's already done by the folks on April nineteenth, seventeen seventy-five, and for eight long bloody years afterwards, they fought that war. They fought that war. And the war came. To, the uh, decision came down in our favor, and that allowed them to design a government where we could make decisions without any longer having to worry about having revolution or or shedding blood. That's the that is the beauty of our system of government. Because you know, if we gave the folks back in 1775 the option and said, "Look, here's you got one or two ways you can go with this. You can either one, you guys can all stand together in ranks." And you can shoot at each other from uh, from about uh, 40, 50 feet away, uh, without any uh, without being able to go to a hospital. No kind of modern medicine, no life flight, uh, none of that. You can do that for eight long bloody years, or you can go and you can uh, write letters to your congressmen and senators, and you can vote in the elections and ask them which one do you think that they would have taken. And I guarantee you, it would have been option number two. And that's that's what we tell people that that's what their option is today is that they're going to change the government in a bloodless revolution and uh, 
And, I, and what you said earlier, the, the only real prohibition we have is we really can't endorse anybody. We can talk about mm-hmm. uh, who is doing what. We just can't, like you said, we just can't say uh, vote for this person or that person because right. we're, we, Applebee's is never going to tell you how to vote. We're just going to tell you you have a duty, you have a sacred obligation to vote. Yep. Yep, I, and I agree with all of that, and that is exactly how we uh, uh, how we present it. And uh, I, in fact, I I've raised this idea, and I'm, I'm not going to engage in a controversy within Appleseed, but I've uh, figured the next time uh, next time I attend one, I want to go down before I go. I'm, I've uh, uh, on my list of things to do is to go down to the courthouse and. I think there's a two-hour class to take and a piece of paper to sign and become a deputy registrar where I can register people to vote. And uh, I can uh, I can take care of uh, I you know we can bring voters in that way, and that's nonpartisan. I'll vote in. I'll register anybody in any with any party. Hey, I've got a I've got an interruption here. I need to grab this just real quickly. Just a moment. All right, go right go right ahead. <laughs> What uh, and we we actually brought the uh, we brought that idea up with uh, within the staff and we talked about uh, we talked about registering folks to vote and the the uh, decision I would call it uh, or maybe the non-decision is that uh, that's going to be left up to the the shoot bosses uh, at their individual shoots and uh, uh, as far as uh, as registering people, uh, I think the the what we decided we would do is just uh, uh, let them get the information there, and then uh, give that to the folks at the events, and let them uh, let them take the cards in and get registered. <clears throat> but at the same time, we make sure that we put out the information at events that uh, we tell folks that the president is not the government. The senators and the congressmen, they are not the government. None of the the uh, alphabet or numerical acronym agencies are not the government. The government, at least a small part of it, are those folks standing right there in a circle at the, at the apple seeds. Those folks are the government. Yep, and that's what government of the people, by the people, and for the people means. Sorry for the interruption. I had to. I do have a. I have a uh, family life, and uh, my wife was letting me know where she is and what she's doing. Didn't know that I had a radio thing going on. <laughs> um, I get the same thing. I tell folks that. Uh, I tell folks that if they would be surprised at what goes on during the radio shows here. Uh, <laughs> The kids Thank God know, for the mute key. <laughs> yeah, I've got I've got five daughters, and they know they're not supposed to make any noise. But they they found a loophole in that is by writing out their requests and uh, handing them in to me. And I get notes all the time, uh, Daddy. I have a splinter in my foot. Can you get the tweezers and get it out? Just circle yes or circle no on this piece of paper. <laughs> I'll I'll circle no and write a little letter after the show, honey. That's a rough one. Suck it up, sweetie. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, I think a lot of folks think that uh, 
you know, everybody who is doing this, and you're you're no different than anybody else. You're doing this because it's because it's a mission that that you have accepted. Nobody's getting any money to do this. Everybody's doing it because we we know in our hearts it's the right thing to do. And everybody has personal lives. Everybody has uh, birthdays and funerals and graduations and anniversaries and everything else. And we still have to figure out a way, figure out a way to get the things done we need to do around those things because because this problem that's facing America right now is absolutely huge. And the things that the the liberties, the freedoms that we're about to lose if we don't wake up and start paying attention to it are no less – this is no less a dangerous situation than it was uh, when the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor. It's no less a dangerous situation. It just doesn't appear so because what we're facing right now is is more like rust. You know, you have rust that's uh, attacking a, a huge bridge – and, yeah, you can kind of see the rust, but, you know, it's just rust. It's going to take forever to get through, right? Or it's underneath the paint, and you don't really notice it. And yet that rust is going to destroy that bridge just as surely uh, as a 1,000-pound bomb. And that bridge is going to fall into the bay or into the river just as surely as somebody blew it up. And that's the problem that we have now is because folks because don't folks don't see it a, a menacing imminent danger, they think everything's okay, or they think they have until tomorrow or next week or next year. And the reality is, is, is we don't. What are some of the things that are coming up that, that we should be keeping our eye on? Well, I know that uh, the, the Democrats, um, and I'm not even going to say, eh, I'll back off on that. The, largely, the Republicans tend to talk a pro-gun line, and largely the Democrats talk an anti-gun line. There are exceptions. There are pro-gun Democrats, and I love it when a real pro-gun Democrat shows up. Um, but by and large, the uh, the Democrats have, uh, have really backed off of congressional support for restrictions on the right to keep and bear arms. They learned that lesson in 1994, when they had their head their heads handed to them after passing the so-called assault weapons bill, which right. is uh, which affected your and my militia rifle, basically they were going after any semi-auto. At one point, back in the 80s, uh, Congress toyed very seriously with range storage rules, with the idea of uh, of adding all semi-autos to the national firearms. Uh, registry to uh, treat them as machine guns. Uh, the uh, all the uh, the highly publicized shootings, the, the Stockton massacre, the San Isidro massacre, all of those really kind of galvanized the uh, the support for a uh, or started the momentum for uh, a ban on on guns. And for 10 years, we lived with the assault weapons ban, which was cosmetic, didn't stop any crime, and it interfered with a lot of people, and it was just offensive to the right to keep and bear arms. Well, 
the Democrats lost the lost the House they, uh, where they were really comfortable. They lost the Senate. The the sitting Speaker of the House, who was a reloader, he was he was generally a pro gun guy. He got voted out first time that had happened since Civil War days. So the Democrats touched that stove and they now understand that it's hot. Um, right. And it's They're unlikely in an overt way. Right. Now what we're seeing is um a lot of excuses. There's two big things going on and there's a there's a smaller third one that I really want to talk about. The two big things are one, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms and Explosives has um, really put their foot in by uh, they have gotten caught with something called Project Gunwalker. They call it Project Gunrunner. Within that, there's something called Fast and Furious. What they were doing, essentially, is allowing straw purchases, illegal straw purchases of guns to take place and allowing those guns to walk so-called, quote, quote, they allowed the guns to walk into Mexico. There's more than two thousand, more than 1,000. The number I've seen ranges anywhere from 1,300 to 1,800 guns that are known to have been allowed to leak into Mexico by the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. Well, that's just what's known because I've heard that the, the numbers could go even higher, much higher Who knows than that. what the – Exactly. And I, I want to put a shout out to uh, my good friend uh, David Codrea, C O D R E A. Get on Google, look up if you hadn't heard about this. Get on Google, look up Gunwalker, and that'll take you right to David Codrea's uh, Examiner columns. We've been beating the drum, uh, cheerleading all we can for David. We've we've also done a little bit on the side. Uh, uh, we've uh, gotten in touch with uh, some of our contacts in Congress, uh, in particular Senator Grassley. Looks like Senator Grassley is going to hold some hearings, although the um, the Justice Department is doing everything they can to stonewall it. So that's a big deal. That's And uh, it may take some of the wind out of the sails for the, um, for the registration or for the recording of uh, long gun sales that they're wanting that they're wanting to do on the border states. I think that's well, going to. some of the folks, let, let's uh, for some of the folks that are not familiar mm-hmm. with uh, with actually with this with this program, what it is. It's a program designed by the the BATF, and uh, it was uh, you know for for years we've been hearing about the horrible gun dealers who have been selling guns uh, that have been finding their way into Mexico. And uh, and now, uh, in a, every case that I've seen so far, these the folks that came in to buy the guns, they were the uh, gun dealers were immediately getting on the phone to ATF and saying, "Look, we, hey, we've got somebody, uh, we got somebody coming in right here that uh, that we think they, uh, you know, uh, we think this is one of the, uh, you know, the uh, illegal purchasers of firearms, and and we'll try and stall until you get here." And they're told to let the uh, let the purchase go, and that they're going to track it. Uh, now, this is just one particular case, but this has been going on. Give the folks a little bit of a rundown, real quick, about uh, about what the program, what it has done so far, what they what they have well, been doing. Well, 
that that's exactly that that's that is the broad outline of what they would do they would allow they uh the dealer would say hey that we've got a what looks like a suspicious sale going on here and they called uh, they called BATFE and they were told let it go through um or in some cases they found that the um that where the um uh, I, I've read one report where the they hit the National Instant Check System, and where typically it would take a minute or two, maybe three minutes to go through. This thing would go through immediately, and they would have an unusually quick uh, quick uh, accept. Uh, they had cases where uh, a 25 year old girl comes in uh, and buys. Five, five AK-47s, and she's back six weeks later, or she's back a week later, and she's buying another five. Yeah, there's another guy that bought, was buying 50 AK-47s at one time with cash. Right. And, yeah, and that was here in Phoenix, and that was uh, at uh, over at uh, Lone Wolf uh, Lone Wolf Traders uh, over in Glendale. And in the majority of these cases. People have been they the dealers have been wanting to do the right thing. They say, "Hey, this thing this thing smells funny. Can you look into it?" And the BATF would say would tell them, "Let it go. Yes, we're gathering intelligence." And that was the that was the guys. Now, what I don't know, maybe I'm just cynical, but they it appears that the BATFE is one of the major, if not the major. Gun smuggling, gun smuggling organizations in the U.S. Exactly. Uh, the Mexico is furious about it because they were not consulted. Uh, and they should the idea, be. They should be. The, oh, our yeah. government, if our government is now, you have the, you also have the folks talking about the thousands and thousands of firearms that are coming into the, coming into Mexico by way of the United States, which is that's also a fallacy because they're. They they may have originally been uh, manufactured by the United States, but then they were purchased by some other country, which then sold them to Mexico. So they're of United States origin, but they came there through some other way. Only what I've read that there's only approximately five to five percent of the firearms, the illegal firearms, were coming in by way of the United States, which is just about the number that uh, that the ATF is letting through. Yeah, and and I can't speak to uh, percentages, but what I do know is that, uh, and I, I follow. Uh, I have a good friend who uh, who monitors the uh, Mexican news reports. Uh, he really likes to watch what's going on because the news in Mexico is reported a little bit differently than it is up here. Uh, yeah. At, now, a few years ago, and up until last year. They would list the guns and they would list the serial numbers in news reports. They've stopped doing that lately for some reason. And they would also, but what I was also struck by was a lot of times I saw a uh, a a hall that the Mexican army had captured, and there's things in there like a Maduce M2 machine gun, a which is a 50 caliber, and I I've never seen that in the gun store. Yeah. Uh they had uh anti tank weapons. Uh uh I saw one that had 
uh, had an AR-15 with or a M16 AR-15 with an M203 hanging underneath of it. Right, right. Those are all military for sale only to military. Very serious firepower grenades. Your standard GI baseball grenade. Uh, that I've never seen a gun show that had those except for maybe some casings. So there is that kind of thing happening, and uh, it's it really raises a lot of suspicion. And yet, uh, our friends in the media, particularly NPR, has been lately they've caught a lot of flack that we're we're biased. Well, they've been talking. They've stated as just revealed fact that uh, most of the guns in Mexico in the Mexican drug wars come from U.S. gun shops, and that's the uh, that's the impression they leave. But they right. are saying that with very little background and with very little, uh, without doing any fact checking. So right, that's because they they like you said they have put out the Mexican government, Mexican media has put out where the uh, where the firearms have been coming from, and uh, you find out that a great deal of them are, are, the majority of them, the vast majority, are not coming from the United States. They're coming from uh, El Salvador, Guatemala, Nicaragua, uh, uh, Colombia, uh, and they're coming through other countries. Uh, and they may have originally been purchased from the United States, but they were purchased for military use, and then those militaries, I suppose, somewhere have been selling them. And listen, while we're talking about this real quick, I also want to say that that from what I've been reading, uh, you know, everybody, uh, including myself, uh, is a great deal of time is unhappy with the ATF shenanigans. But I want to put out that uh, that from the research that I've been doing, there are a lot of the ATF folks that are unhappy about this too. Well, and, that's uh, actually what broke this. And you know, I uh, in in real life it's it's kind of kind of funny when when dad was in the middle, he, when dad was working at NRA and he was deep in uh basically taking a knife to the uh to the BATF's budget. Then it was the BATF as opposed to their rebranded ATF. Right. But right. they were uh they uh mom and dad went to church with a guy who worked in the in the technical branch great guy and he, but he worked for BATF and they had a really good relationship he was a, and he was an honest sincere great guy and he understood what they were doing now the trouble with the BATF and the trouble with the, you know the they are federal officers. They're law enforcement officers, and the there are some guys there who have a great deal of integrity. The thing is that they are being uh, they are charged with enforcing a law that is fundamentally flawed, that is dangerous at its core, and that really needs a reform. And that's that's what needs to happen one fine day. Whether we will ever see that day. I don't know or whether it will come anytime soon. I'm not holding my breath, but that is the uh that that's the problem. But this story, this this gunwalker story was largely well, it broken. A, it has a horrible ending so far. Let us tell the folks about what the the horrible consequences oh, yeah? of this are. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm leaving that out. There was a firefight down on the Mexican border down south of Tucson. Uh 
and a Border Patrol officer, Brian Perry, was shot and in the and killed. And they uh they were able to they didn't capture the perpetrators, but they found their guns. And one of those guns had or there was two of them that had been bought here in here in Phoenix at a gun shop here in Phoenix and it ended up down on the border pointing back north and being used against a law enforcement officer that was really the last straw this story is starting to starting to bleed into the the mainstream media the uh CBS news has covered it believe it or not uh Leslie Stahl carried it uh and you can again you can find that on the uh on the uh website or on uh, if you do a Google search, you can uh, find that. If you go to firearmscoalition.org, put in a plug for our website, you can find pointers to this. Uh, again, the guy that really deserves the the props for breaking this story though is uh, is David Kadria, and he and uh, a guy named Mike Vanderberg uh, had a lot to do with uh, with breaking this. They were voices crying in the wilderness, and we were cheering them on. And then uh, uh, Officer Terry got shot, and that's that's made it. Uh, it's, it's a tragic consequence. Now, well, that's that's not the only one, right? There was there was there, there was, was another agent. Uh, I don't remember if it was ICE or eight or uh, there was another agent that was shot. Uh, not from that These same guys batch were down. Of Right, these guys were down in the interior of Mexico. Um and what what kind of agents were they? The they they were ICE agents. Yeah. And they were uh one was killed, one was wounded. They were down there operating with uh with beanbag ammunition, which is there no Terry had beanbags. Oh, Terry had beanbags. I'm being corrected. Terry had beanbags. These guys had no guns at all. Then the Mexican, uh, under the status of forces agreement, we don't, uh, our guys don't carry guns when they're in Mexico. Right. So, and that's that's another of the my friend that uh, that collects the Mexican press stories. There's a growing, a surprisingly strong, and it's really starting to grow, sense in Mexico that. They need a Second Amendment. They need the right to keep and bear arms. They're they're discovering that uh, you know the uh, the federales surprise surprise are often corrupt, and yeah. the local police are often corrupt. And you have to call when you have to call for help. Maybe they'll be there. Maybe they're not. Or maybe it's the local police that are shooting at you. So uh, there is a. I, I would love to see. A uh, uh, a uh, Second Amendment for Mexico. It's uh, something that uh, something that needs to happen. I re- read an article by Edward Abbey, who was a radical old. Uh, uh, he's kind of lefty, but he's uh, environmentalist, outdoorsman, outdoors type. But he uh, he had an interesting point. He said, for every time we catch somebody illegal, we should deport them with uh, birth control. And uh, ammunition and guns, and we should send them back down to Mexico to give them the revolution and the birth control that they so desperately need. 
<laughs> That's Edward Abbey. What can I, I say? I, I, I'm going to take the fifth on that. <laughs> <laughs> I will mention that uh, on the uh, – for one thing, for you guys that uh, are listening, be sure and go to uh, – uh, be sure and go to the uh, the firearmscoalition.org. That's uh, the uh, Knox family's uh, website there. Go to firearmscoalition.org to read more about these stories. And then I also, on the show page for tonight – uh, the radio station has a has a, some type of a contract with Amazon, so it it lets us. Uh, uh, I saw there was a picture book. of my book there. Yeah, I got the uh, gun rights war right there on the page. I, I encourage you guys to read that. It's a fantastic book. It's a great book. And uh, you did you, you did get your copy, didn't you, Mike? Or didn't you? Adam? Uh, no, I didn't. Uh, I mean, I get. I, I sent you one. Okay, send me send me your address. I'll make sure you get one. Okay, that'll be great. And then right beside you got that, a deal. they let me put up a couple of uh, a couple of different ones right beside that uh, while I was doing it. And normally, I, normally I don't put a book on here unless I've read it. But uh, these there were two other books that I haven't read. One is uh, the Worldwide Gun Owners Rights Guide, and that gives you the guides to. If you want to see what other countries are doing as far as gun rights, then uh, you can get this book and look at it. And the, and the last book is the the founders' uh, view on the rights to keep and bear arms. And, now, uh, those books that you're talking about, those are uh, that's uh, Alan Cortland has put those out, and he's he's doing a lot on those. He uh, he or he sells them off of his website. I think that he's publishing one of those but i want to give a shout out to him go to go look at gunlaws.com and uh, uh i'd encourage anybody if you want it has your state gun owners guide book which uh there's it started out as the gun owners guide the arizona gun owners guide and then there was a texas gun owners guide and virginia and it's spread across the country. There's a lot of them now, and uh, Alan is pretty much the moving force behind that. And uh, that's his. Yeah, it, uh, that's a project to, of his. To know what your what your legal rights and responsibilities are at wherever you are, uh, because they change from state to state. If I drive across, if I drive from Texas to Phoenix, and I gotta. I've got to keep my pistol out of sight in one state. In another state, I've got to put it up on the dashboard unloaded. Uh, in another state, I've got to do this with it. In another state, I've got to do that. And one of the uh, – you know, you were talking earlier about the, the rules and regulations put out by ATF. And one of the problems is that some of these – I say some of them. I would say the majority of them are very – very complicated, very vague, which puts a huge majority of Americans at risk of breaking laws that they would never, people who would never uh, become felons or, or be a lawbreaker, puts them at a risk of breaking laws due to the nature of the law being so vague. And I'm not just talking about a little bit vague, I'm talking about where you have, because I've got plenty of friends that 
have gun shops or have uh, FFLs and stuff less and less because they're more and more the they're getting scared to death because they can call uh, you can call the uh, the uh, DO the Department of Justice or ATF to ask about a clarification for law and and they may get a different answer on every phone call. I'll let, uh, you know, that's a good segue into something, into one of the three things that I wanted to talk about, and that is something called the Gun-Free School Zone Act, which is a federal law that was originally published back, or was originally passed uh, back in the 90s. It was under the uh, under the younger Bush, uh, I believe like 92, under the uh, Bush administration. And what this thing does, and it seems it's one of those common sense quote quote laws that when you start scratching it, it really doesn't make a lot of sense. And it uh, says, well, should people have guns on school grounds? So, well, maybe and maybe not. Right. But what this what this particular piece of legislation does is says that. You have to. You can't have a gun in a school zone. Well, that school zone extends a thousand feet from the property line of that school. Right, and bleeds across the highways, uh, secondary streets. Correct. And as you you can be violating a five-year federal felony by otherwise lawfully carrying your your gun in your car as you're driving through driving across. Uh, driving across town and by doing that this is one of my uh, one of my complaints with uh, about vague laws or dangerous laws is that there's uh, there's so much discretion that the the law enforcement has that they can bust anybody at any time for any reason and create a um, uh, they, they can create the kind of um, well, they short. Obviously, this thing's unenforceable unless they have roadblocks and and car checks and search people as as walking by on the sidewalk. Yes, but, but the it, fact it, is, they stop you and arrest you for that. Even if you're not found guilty, you're going to lose forty, fifty thousand dollars, and uh, and you have a you have a a horrible situation that you're in. Exactly, exactly. I have heard, and this is uh, this is rumor, but I have heard that there is one active prosecution going on under the Gun-Free School Zone Act. And I, I just really have to wonder, does, uh, and th- does the lady who carefully stops her 2,000-pound SUV Explorer to let a bunch of first graders cross the street is she suddenly a, a menace because there's another pound of steel in her purse? I I really don't get this. Right. And not to mention is I don't know that uh, there was uh, Patrick Purdy probably the guy that did the uh, Stockton shooting probably broke a couple of laws by carrying his AK-47 onto the school grounds. Did that stop him? No. So that well, we have- that is. We're we just have, trying to publicize that one a little bit. Right. We have the 
Well, every time you have some type of a shooting incident, you have the immediate knee-jerk reaction of legislators is in order to uh, in order to subdue all of the outrage, we'll have to we'll have to uh, to design some type of a law that prohibits this. Well, if you look at if you look at every situation, there they've already committed every they've broken every law they could before they arrived at this at this new law, like the gun the uh, the prohibition on school grounds. Uh, there are already laws covering almost every situation uh, that can arise from this, and uh, and the additional laws now are bleeding out where they uh, they imperil uh, the law-abiding citizens uh, more than they do more than they would in any in any case prohibit uh, an unlawful act. Yep, and that is. Uh well, it's when you start having layered laws that uh, that people can be stopped at any point, and that's really the the makings of a police state, and that's what uh, that's what I really want to avoid. I don't want to see my country become a police state. Well, the the the, the third piece, and there the the uh, other piece that I wanted to talk about a little bit um, is while the uh, while the administration isn't overtly going after gun control, quote, quote, they are going after regulatory things. And one of those things is uh, most recently they're going after the, and I'm, I want to make sure I'm pronouncing it right, the Sega shotguns, uh, which is basically an AK-47 action, but it's a, but the shotgun itself, there's nothing exotic about the shotgun. It has a box magazine. It might have a tube magazine. Some of them will take a box magazine, but some will take a tube magazine. Uh, but it can go more than uh, more than five rounds. Well, I got my dad had a Model 12 that would take more than five rounds. It just had an extended tube on it. And there's nothing magic about that extended magazine, menacing as it may sound. It's a box with a spring and or a tube with a spring. And uh, there's nothing particularly uh, magical about it. There's nothing particularly uh, dangerous in itself about it. But if they can if they can ban the importation of this particular shotgun under the what they call the sporting purposes language, which is contained, in the 68 Gun Control Act, and I've been meaning to go back and look to see if it's in the uh, National Firearms Act. I believe it is. That if they can ban that shotgun under the sporting purposes language, they can ban any shotgun under the sporting purposes language, and they can put it into the class of a destructive device. And all of a sudden, rather than you know my uh, my grandfather's heirloom Sweet 16 Browning is all of a sudden now a an assault weapon that needs to be destroyed and is a menace to everybody around. And right, and let's, let's make sure folks understand that the the uh, the reason for this or the wording behind this is because the the sporting purpose test, uh, because of the wording of it, it can make almost any 
pump or semi-auto shotgun illegal because all of them, it doesn't matter what, what, which one it is, all of them have the, or basically all of them, have the ability for you to put in an extended magazine. And if you can do that, then that's going to make that particular shotgun illegal. And that's almost every shotgun. Yep. Now, if you uh, on this one in particular, Jeff wrote a good column about it in the uh, that's on the website, and I'd really recommend uh, that uh, folks get over there and, and take a look at it because this one, you know, this is this can affect not just uh, this isn't something exotic. Won't affect just some exotic rifle or some exotic shotgun. Uh, it's not like the the awesome street sweeper of the 1980s, which had a uh, the only thing that was uh, that was magical about that one was that it had a uh, cylinder magazine, a rotary magazine, but right, it's right. still just a, just a pump shotgun. So that is the kind of thing these that the uh, the enemies of freedom will always have and always will do is to pick out these outliers, these these guns that they can uh, instill fear in the public with. What Josh, when Josh Sugarman said it, he, he said the public perceives that anything that looks like a machine gun is a machine gun. If you've got a rifle that has a plastic stock or that has matte black pieces or that has a um, has a, a bayonet lug, then if you've got those things, then obviously it's a menace to society, and it is uh, it, it's dangerous and it needs to be banned. Well, really, why? So, well, yeah, we. I'm still looking for, and I, I thought maybe I could find it at CDC, the Center for Disease Control, because they keep uh, uh, they keep statistics on everything, and I was trying to see if I could find anywhere that someone had mounted a bayonet on a, uh, <laughs> a rifle and had killed somebody with it. Because I, I don't believe that it exists. It might. Certainly it did during uh, World War Two and World War One, Vietnam, Korea, etc. But I don't think I it's actually, I actually remember a story um, about somebody being uh, – this is – I believe it was over in California, and this was uh, – after ha- uh, last Halloween, if I remember right, and a guy showed up at the emergency room. He had a small puncture wound in his stomach, and they they started to patch him up, but they saw he was going into shock and start and then started digging in further. And he had been stabbed with a bayonet. Now that bayonet wasn't attached to a rifle, but it was a you know 18 inch bayonet, and he had a deep deep wound. The guy's in trouble, but. So you know we're we're really flirting with that English movement that's happening over that they're trying to get some some legs under it over in England to ban pointy knives. At some right. point, we have to take responsibility for ourselves. We have to say yes. I am a grown up. I have scissors, and I promise not to run with them. Not because you told me not to, but because it's in my best interest not to. Right. But and somebody's going to the scolds are going to want to tell me not to run. Are going to look for a way to make regulation so that I can't run with the scissors. And uh, so if I they don't have a regulation that I can't run with that.
prohibits me from running with scissors, then I am not. Then I am allowed to run with scissors. Well, so I can allow. So I am allowed, but does that mean I'm going to? No. Somebody else does. Well, they're going to do it, whether the law said it or not. Right, and I, I want well, to tell everybody that's listening, all the, uh, the folks that are listening, that yes, this is uh, this is not normally the uh, uh, the type of uh, of show that we do, <laughs> but it's important. It, I consider this a very important part of of the information that needs to get out to you, not because of of any of the particular uh, bills that are coming out. All right, because. Uh, you need to research that on your own. You need to decide what you're going to do about that on your own. But what I'm telling the folks is this is what's going on in the nation. This is the problems that we face. This is one of the reasons that everyone needs to get out, get off the couch, to become involved, start reading and familiarizing themselves with laws that are being passed, with what's going on in the nation as far as uh, erosion of rights and freedoms. That's the, the, the analogy that I made earlier with the bridge that was rusting out. This is exactly what I was talking about. Whenever you have a case that now, if this, if this shotgun, uh, special shotgun uh, ban passes, are they immediately going to go and take up everybody's shotguns? No. No, it's not. But what happens is now you have the ability to become a felon just because of somebody's vague interpretation of the law. And and this is happening more and more. The only way this is going to stop is if, you, if the American public, if the folks that are listening now, understand that they have an, a sacred obligation to plug themselves in as a functioning member of the government. So I just wanted to get that out of the way because I know that uh, I'll get uh, emails and calls and stuff about this, and that's why that uh, that's why I'm doing this. That's why I asked you to come on because. Yes, uh, yes, we consider some of these things icebergs, but the reality is is that uh, these are things that you're going to have to know about and that you're going to have to be aware of and, and put yourself in a position that you can take action, uh, take whatever action well, you feel is, uh, is right uh, in dealing with this. Well, Scott, I'll tell you what I love about Appleseed is that it is it encourages a participatory politics and that you are that we are the government that we are the people that this government is of by and for and that is and that it exists at our pleasure and that uh, we have to take and we have to take control of it and um democracy and uh to run the republic or to participate in the life of the republic is not a spectator sport it's something that we have to be involved in it's something that an individual can make a difference and this is what you know today, today or tomorrow's first day of baseball season and baseball is really great but as hard as i cheer for one team or another I'm not going to make a whole lot of difference in that team's win-loss record. I'm not going to right. then that, and I'm not going to have a whole lot of say in where one player ends up or another. The great thing about participatory democracy that is that um, 
I have a say in it. And uh, part of that, and this is what, where the apple seed comes in, is that as a as a citizen, I have the right and duty to honor the sacrifices that were made by people who came before me, and uh, they uh, they fought, bled, and died. There weren't, and uh, they did. They faced horrible hardships so that we could have what we have today. And but I don't think they did that so that we can piss away today. Absolutely not. They expected us uh, to be guardians of what they had left no. for us. They expected it's a republic. Us... It's right. a republic be... if you can keep it, said Dr. Franklin. <laughs> That's right. They expected us to be uh, to be participants in this program. And before you came on, I was talking to folks about about the American Revolutionary War and the American Revolution. Those are two different things. The American Revolutionary War had a beginning and an ending. It had an objective it was intended to achieve, and it did. And when it did, the war ended. The American Revolution it goes is something on. completely different. That It was never meant to end. It was supposed to be a, a continuing experience uh, of expanding liberties and freedoms, not a uh, not the opposite direction where we're we're headed toward a singularity, and uh, and the only way that this is going to happen in the in the the manner that the founders wanted it to happen is by the folks participating. Yep, you you've got it exactly right, and that's what the the great thing about uh, about Appleseed is is that it gets people off that couch. It's uh, because Otherwise, the uh, the powers that be will hand us all the bread and circus that we can stand and keep us entertained and fat and happy and uh, build the fences right around us. Well, that is the uh, – you know, you were talking earlier about – we were talking about Republicans and Democrats, and, and I'm not endorsing anybody, mind you, <laughs> uh, because uh, I tell you, in my experience, uh, that – what I see a lot, at least on the face of it, <clears throat> is that you've got this huge dog and pony show, and and that the way that things are kept in such a horrible logjam is because you have, when you get up to the very top, you get the top, you've got these two guys, and one has an R and one has a D. And so you look at the one guy, and he goes, hey, listen, I know that... Uh, Really down at the very bottom level, uh, I'm a convicted criminal, and I really shouldn't even be allowed to be running for this office, but I am. But better me than that other guy, right? <laughs> and so that's what ends up happening. Uh, the message we've been trying to get out, and, and I think that a lot of the a lot of the icebergs, and one of the reasons that we don't we tell people not to chase the iceberg, that goes back to the analogy of of the Titanic. You know, the Titanic. They saw the iceberg coming, not quite in time, because the guys who were supposed to be looking out for the iceberg, they had their binoculars locked up in a uh, in a locked uh, shelf, and uh, they couldn't get the keys for it. So they're out there trying to look for the icebergs with their naked eyes. They did see it. As a matter of fact, they saw it probably almost in time to avoid it. But even if they had, guess what? There was another one behind it, another one behind it, 
and another one behind it, and they were going to form up every year there. So I feel that that is what uh, America faces a lot of times, is a is hundreds of icebergs out there, purposely out there, to make sure that uh, make sure that we're looking at the iceberg and not at that big continental chunk of ice that's busting them off. That we're <laughs> that we're paying attention to the to the dog and pony show and not to the real things that are going on. <laughs> and I and I, we also tell folks that the only way you're gonna change this is by starting out at the local level. You, if you're going to fix this, you're not going to fix it by voting only in the presidential election. You're going to have to vote in all of your local elections. Start getting the people who who you want to represent you, getting them into the pipeline at a local level so that they can finally mature and graduate one day and come out the other end uh, and end up uh, up in Washington, D.C., representing the people as they should be represented. But that's never going to happen unless you... Get off the couch. You get involved in your local uh, your local government and start getting these folks trained and getting them in the pipeline so they can eventually come out the other end. Yeah, it, it's just like shooting. It's just like hunting. It's a politics is a participant sport. It's something that, uh, and if you don't participate in it, somebody else will do it for you, and you may not like what they do. Uh, chances are you won't. Listen, so, if you guys want to call in and talk to uh, to Chris, uh, or if you have some kind of comments you want to make or questions you want to ask or anything, give us a call at 347-308-8790. 347-308-8790. Uh, Lauren is uh, is on the switchboard now. She'll be glad to screen your calls and uh, and put you in the line to uh, cut, to come on the air. So please give us a call. You can ask Chris uh, uh, any questions that you have about uh, about the American uh, gun rights and uh, and where we're at right now. If you have any comments you want to make, we'll welcome those. Three four seven three zero eight eight seven nine zero. Now we've talked about what is uh, what is coming and about. Uh, about the special purpose shotguns. What is the what's the best thing they can do right now uh in order to have an effect with that? The the best thing right now to do there is a common there is a comment period open right now and the um uh there is there are instructions on the website. Uh, we've been real proud. We've been delighted with the response that we got over this uh, because the uh, we've generated a pretty fair number, a couple hundred responses just from our little effort that we know of that people have CC'd us on, and uh, I'd love to see more of those. And, right. So what uh, they can do is they can go to the firearmscoalition.org. That's the homepage for the Firearms Coalition. And if you look down the page, you'll see the Take Action to Stop Gun Ban. And That's the, it. The, you guys have made it very easy. You embedded the hot link, the uh, email hot link, right there in the uh, in the paragraph. You click on that. You've got, you guys have even put in a uh, uh, some sample text that they can just cut and paste if they want to into that and send it in. And I want to remind yeah. folks, 
I, I talk to the folks all the time about this, about the fact that the American public has become so apathetic, so uh, so cut off from involvement in the government. They think that my one voice, my one email, my one phone call isn't going to mean anything when the actual truth is just exactly the opposite. Because folks have become so disengaged uh, in this process, your one call is, is actually uh, been multiplied because they know that since so few people are going to call, they can take that one call that they get that's I or, or nay for it, and they can know that that might represent uh, 50 people or 100 or 5,000 or 10,000 folks, just that one call. So your call, your emails, your letters, far from meaning nothing, actually mean a great deal because of the fact that nobody else gets involved. Yeah, because of the that's actually where the apathy of the doofus Americanus works so well to our advantage because they don't know, they don't care. Excuse me, I wonder what's on wonder what's on TV next. And because of that, it's a force multiplier for us for the uh for the people who care about freedom, who care about what happens to this country. So maybe maybe it's a good thing. It keeps the doofuses on the couch, and uh, the citizens can uh, run the country. Works for me. Well, you 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 have all the time. We have uh, we have laws, uh, or we have bills that uh, come in, and they get pushed through, and people say, "Oh my goodness, how in the world could that have happened? How in the world could that have happened?" And that's because. The folks that are pushing that through have managed to mobilize, uh, and it doesn't take a majority. They just have to have a small vocal minority to push something through. Uh, and that's how things get done in, in D.C. Now, we can have the same effect by taking the, uh, the small vocal minority that we can amass and doing the same things. You know, I've told folks plenty of times before about the Alpsy Project, and we have a goal and a mission and there's 200 million Americans. There's, I'm sure there's more by now, but there's, say, 200 million Americans. We don't need uh, 150 million Americans. We don't need 100 million. We don't need 50 million. We only need 20 million. All we need to make a huge change in this nation would be 1 million vocal apple seeders. And we, I'm telling you, we could get a, a tremendous amount done with just that small percentage of the folks uh, becoming engaged and deciding to do something uh, about the engaging in, in uh, the government. You know, you, you're you're exactly right in the the small number of people that can make a huge difference. And I'm going to throw something else out here. Um, the uh, and that's uh, to talk about our friends with the National Rifle Association. I'm a member of the National Rifle Association, and uh, I encourage every gun owner to be a member. Um, I don't like a lot of the things that the National Rifle Association does, um, but it is my association. And what I'd like to encourage apple seeders to do is to join NRA. And when you join NRA, become a voting member and uh, participate in the NRA's democracy. 
because I would like to see the the activism and the grassroots passion that exists within Appleseed uh, get expanded up into the NRA. We've got uh, there's an NRA election going on right now. Less than seven percent of NRA members vote. Yeah, I was going to say you would result. like to see that. I would like to see that. I'm not so sure they would like to see that. I don't care what they want. Yeah. I own it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And just I agree, like the just like the government. I agree with you, and and I tell folks the same thing because I get folks that will talk to me at events. So they say, "Yeah, listen, I was an NRA member, but I'm so unhappy about what they did that I canceled my membership." And I said, "Well, that's pretty ridiculous." That's if exactly the wrong the reaction. The government is going to you burn your voter's registration card? No, no. The way to fix something is not from the outside sulking. The way to fix something is to become a member and then vote uh, what your heart tells you to vote. I encourage everyone to become a member of the National Rifle Association and then become a member of your state rifle association and then become a member of all the local ranges that are around you. Become a member of those ranges because you have to – all of this has to be fixed from the ground up. It can't be fixed from the top down. It has to be fixed from the ground up. So you have to become a member – of your local ranges, so you can do the same thing. You can become a member of the range, and you can help decide what direction it goes in. We've had uh, ranges in Appleseed that really didn't want uh, to be a part of Appleseed, not because Appleseed was doing something detrimental. It was just because of the that the, the cronyism, the politicalism of the of the firing ranges, of the rifle ranges, which absolutely made my jaw drop when I first saw this. I thought, where in the world does politics come into a firing range? It's just a shooting range. And yet, <laughs> it's more than that. <laughs> and we've had situations where folks have become members of these ranges, and they've, they've, and I'm not telling folks that you that you all join in mass and try and throw out the leadership. All right, that that will just that will destroy uh, a range or a facility, and it's ugly and it's nasty. What you do is you just become a member and you vote. <laughs> Uh, whenever the range, whenever the uh, range has voting uh, has elections, you vote. Whenever they make decisions, you have your voice heard. And then the same thing with your state rifle association. You become a member in each of these organizations in order to to help guide the direction it takes and help to protect it. You know, we have ranges, we have shooting ranges all across the nation that are getting edged out uh, more and more and. And the reason why is because there's a lot of people that want to shoot, but because they're not a member of the range or they're not uh, or they don't know what to do, the range gets bullied into closing, and this could be stopped by active participation uh, on the local level by the folks uh, living in that area. Say, so, Adam, I want to. I need to step out for a minute, but I've got my brother sitting here. He just happens to be uh, here at my house today. Uh, this is Jeff Knox. And he's the guy that, and he's been keeping me on track here behind the scenes, making sure I said the right thing about the Sega. But uh, Adam, Jeff, uh, I'm going to step out for just a minute, and I'll be right back. All right, Mr. Knox, welcome to the show. Hello. Yes, welcome to the show, sir. Thank you very much. Good to be here. Good to be with you. Thanks for what you do. Well, thank you. Thank you and your brother. I think I've spoken to you on the phone and maybe through emails before, but I don't remember. Have you been on the show before? 
I, I don't believe I've been on the program, no. Well, we'd like to uh, – I'm going to see you get this in real quick up in the front. We'd like to invite you back as as a guest on a uh, on the show in the future, if you wouldn't mind. I'll be happy to do it if we've got the time. All right. Uh, what would be your best uh, your best uh, advice? Now we just talked about the uh, the take action to stop the gun ban. About how the folks can do that. They can go to the Firearms Coalition. They can look down into the subject, and it says right there on your page, "Take action to stop gun ban." You guys have embedded the hot link in there for an email. Uh, and then you can put sample text that folks can cut and paste for that. Other than that, what what is your best advice for folks who want to get off the couch, or maybe they don't know that they want to get off, or but they got to get off anyway? What would be your best advice for them to get involved uh, in helping to preserve and safeguard uh, the the freedoms and liberties uh, that we have by virtue of living in this nation? Well, uh, I'll tell you, Adam, right at this moment, um, I rather than what they can do, I, I'd rather tell them why they need to do it. Uh, right. Chris touched on the, the whole uh, shotgun ban thing, but, but I'd like to, to bounce back on it for just a second. What we've got going on here is um, there are two places in, well, first off, there are two sections to gun law. There's the the gun control act which regulates all of our our common everyday guns and there's the NFA the National Firearms Act which covers machine guns and big uh, mortars and cannons and 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 such like that the 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 real problem here they say they're targeting the Sega that's what everybody is talking about is is this ugly AK looking 12 gauge shotgun with the box magazine that is quickly becoming a, a staple in uh, three-gun competition, USPSA and IPSC and, and IDPA. Right. But what people are tending to miss, and this is, this is really, really critical, is that what they're saying is if it has these features, tick, 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 um, uh, and one of the features that they're saying, if it has this feature, it isn't sporting purpose. And that feature is if it's able to accept a magazine over five rounds capacity. Wait, well, every all, two, almost all of them are. Right. Every pump shotgun can accept a magazine over five rounds. Every, every box magazine uh, shotgun absolutely can accept a magazine over five rounds. Um, but now here's where the real crux comes in. The the language is exactly the same. Actually, it's it's a little bit broader in the NFA as opposed to the GCA. So they say if it has no sporting purpose, you can't import it. And they go to Eric Holder and say, "Gee, Eric, does this shotgun with these features have a sporting purpose?" And Eric says, "No, it doesn't. So you can't import it." Well, now they move over to the NFA, the, the part that regulates machine guns, and they say, wait a minute. Here it says that if it's got a, a, a muzzle, a bore, greater than half an inch, which everything over 410 does, if it's right. got a bore over greater than half an inch and it's not a shotgun suitable for sporting purpose, 
then it's a destructive device and you can't have it unless you pay the $200 tax and treat it exactly the same way you do a machine gun. So, and, and, and what this does is once you've said this shotgun, this, this uh, Sega shotgun, because it can accept a, a magazine over five rounds capacity, has no sporting purpose, is not suitable for sporting purpose, and, okay, we let that go. Now it's banned from import. But it's set a precedent that, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. If this Sega, you've already said it has no sporting purpose, well, here in the NFA it says if it doesn't have a sporting purpose, then it's a destructive device. You have to ban it as a destructive device. And the argument has shifted. Where we're waiting for Eric Holder to say, all right, we're going to ban all of these shotguns because they're destructive devices. And we all say, no, we can't do that. And we, we jump up and down and, and run to our congressman. We're, he is, ATF is shifting the argument here. They're establishing the precedent, establishing the definition on something that people are less concerned about. Definitely the industry isn't jumping up and down on this. Definitely right. the U.S., Shotgun manufacturers aren't saying, "Oh, well, no, you can't you can't stop these imports that are competing with us. You can't protect our business by stopping these imports that are competing with us. And hey, we can manufacture a Sega here in the United States and sell it as long as they can't buy one cheaper from uh from Bulgaria." So nobody we don't have major resistance to the import ban. But but with the import ban, it sets the precedent, establishes the definition, says all of these shotguns are not uh, suitable for sporting purpose. And then the argument, instead of why should we ban them as destructive devices, it becomes how can we not because we've already established the definition and this is what the law says. Right. Right. And like I was so saying people are at right. huge risk. I was saying to... Uh, uh, to Chris while ago is that is that you open up another uh, another venue or another uh, the ability here even if this passed you wouldn't have a situation like this passed you wouldn't have a situation where they said all right now we're going to go out and we're going to start confiscating all these firearms because they just wouldn't but what happens is now they have the ability such a a huge uh, ability to make anybody, almost uh, any shotgun, any firearm, an illegal firearm, the ability to arrest you and charge you uh, and make you a felon because of this particular firearm. They may not go out and do it to everybody, but they're going to have the ability to do it to whoever they want to pick and choose to. Right, and and one of the things about it, as they demonstrated with with the street sweeper back in '92, something like that was that that um they can what they did with that was they they kind of grandfathered ish the street sweepers that were already out there and they said all right you don't have to pay the $200 transfer tax because that's what they did first they banned import of the street sweeper as not non-sporting purpose and then they they declared it a destructive device because it had no sporting purpose and they said, well, those of you who already own one, you don't have to pay the $200 tax stamp, 
but you do have to register it, you do have to have a background check, and you do have to get permission of your local chief law enforcement officer uh, for you to keep it. And in states that don't allow you to own NFA, well, you're just out of luck because you can't have it in that state. And uh, and if you sell it, though, it has to include a $200 transfer tax, and the person buying it has to go through that background check and and do the whole rigmarole just like they were buying a machine gun. Um, They eventually backed away from even that and said, okay, you don't have to get the chief law enforcement uh, officer's signature, but you still have to register it, you still have to get paper on it, and you still have to uh, 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 go through the whole NFA rigmarole if you sell it. And anybody who's caught with the thing for any reason uh, that doesn't have all of their paperwork and all of their ducks in a row, they're looking at 10 years in prison just for possessing it. Right, and and every time they enact new legislation uh, that is uh, so uh, on the surface, uh, you know, a lot of people, uh, and that's the problem we have, is that on the surface a lot of this legislation <clears throat> will hit some people <clears throat> as being uh, needful. Or, well, certainly they don't need they don't need those uh, those evil. Uh, Rifles and shotguns that have the ability to to shoot X number of times, and they're okay with that. What they don't realize is that that same that same definition is including their sporting rifles or their sporting mm-hmm. shotguns. And now, uh, now you've got a situation where uh, you've got a another. I was talking to Jeff about this earlier. Is that a lot of my friends uh, are FFL. Uh, licensed folks uh, who were scared to death uh, of even having one. You know, I started to apply for one a few years ago, and then after talking to the folks, I said, there, "There's no way because uh, because I don't want that. I, I don't want that trouble because these guys uh, and they'll tell you right out that you, they can call the uh, Department of Justice or they can call ATF and ask for clarification." on some of the laws, and they'll get a different answer uh, every time they, for with every person they speak to. Right. And yet they can be arrested by each and every one of those individuals. Right, absolutely. And, and th- this is a uh, an area that uh, Jeff and I have also hit on, is that um, in, encourage, we encourage guys to support your local gun dealer. Uh, go to if if your local gun shop has 308 ammo for uh, for fifteen dollars a box twenty twenty five dollars a box and uh, Walmart has it for twenty two dollars a box. I'd really suggest going to the adding spending the extra couple of bucks and going to your local dealer. Um, because uh, when push comes to shove, your local dealer need, needs to be there, and it's it's getting hard to find local dealers. And if he's not there, you won't find what you need at Walmart. Uh, That's right. You know, down down the road. But uh, speaking of not finding things, Adam, we're going to have to bail. Uh, we're All running right. out of time here. Well, listen, I really appreciate you guys coming on tonight. Thank you for coming on the show, and then thank you 
for what you guys do day in, day out, seven days a week, uh, for carrying on the uh, the tradition of the Knox family, and uh, and know that uh, we're behind you guys. Anything that we can do to help, be sure and let us know. And I hope to see you guys uh, at an event again soon. Hey, we're hoping to do it. I I'm, I, I keep looking, but it just depends on the work schedule. I've been traveling a lot and uh, trying to trying to get it done. Um, but please, folks, go go to that uh, go to the website. Go to firearmscoalition.org. And or, or just Google Knox guns, you'll find our stuff. Um, and and on this one, take action with this shotgun thing. There are a lot of people who who are making comments on the boards about, uh, oh, it's not going to matter. ATF's going to do what they want to do. And I, I hold no uh, expectation that ATF is going to change their mind because they get hundreds and hundreds of comments from people who are outraged about the idea of banning. Uh, importation of shotguns but but what it does is it establishes a foundation at, to show to our congress people that this raised this this prickled us and uh if it gets wider spread and better known they're going to have a problem with it so they want to jump on in front of it and they won't do that unless we make a noise right now the earlier we make noise about it the uh, the more clout we have down the road. So we hope that you'll do that. We hope that you'll uh, make the comment, CC it back to info at Firearms Coalition so that uh, we know that you did it and, and we have that record. And we can go in and look at their records when we, we use a uh, Freedom of Information Act request and find out what comments are there uh, and and find out that, that it's 200 to 1 on our side, and still they're ignoring us, that has some weight with uh, the Congress critters as well. Absolutely. And I'll uh, I'll make sure that uh, I put a notice up about that and the uh, instructions on they can, that they can follow do that on the blog. And uh, and then anything else we can do, guys, be sure and, uh, and let me know. I'll, be, I'll try and get out uh, any, uh, any alerts or reminders of folks. The best thing you guys can do is go to uh, the firearms, coalition.org and then sign up for the newsletter just register for uh, uh, an account there sign up for the newsletter and you'll get these uh, these alerts from the firearms coalition so that you'll know what to do and they'll send you these the uh, the packets and how to do it just like uh, for this one so and we don't looking for a way to get involved let me hasten to add that we do keep your information private we hate spammers as much maybe more than you do and we do not share your information with anybody with it's ours. So we, uh, you know, it's yours and we respect it. So we're not going to, uh, we're not going to violate that trust. We do need right. to get out of here. Adam, I do appreciate the invite. This is, uh, it's always a pleasure. And it's always, uh, you reminded me of how long it has been since I've, uh, since I've done an apple seed. I'm due. And uh, you are due I, for I one. I wanted to take my M1 out and, and <laughs> make rifleman with it and, my gun acted up on me, and I'm still I'm still washing bottles. And I'm yeah, really blame blame the equipment, blame the equipment. <laughs> yeah, whatever. It's, it's it's not a competition, Adam. But but uh, I'll tell you what, you get the Knox brothers at one right. of these apple seeds, and, uh, and and you will see some rivalry going on. I I assure you of that. It, well, but it's not good. personal. <laughs> well, God bless you guys, and uh, and give you the uh, the energy to continue what you're doing. And I'm gonna I'm gonna put you guys on the list uh, 
for another uh, invitation, another commitment to come and talk to folks in about uh, four or five weeks, if that's okay. Do that. Appreciate All right. it. Thank All right, you, sir. Have a great evening. You too. All right, that uh, that was Chris Knox and Jeff Knox from the Firearms Coalition. Once again, uh, and these guys, uh, they're pretty tireless in this, and they do a great job. Uh, their father did a great job. Uh, he, uh, you know, he started doing this uh, almost 50 years ago. Uh, he ended up as the uh, as a VP of the uh, NRA, and uh, and almost became the president of the NRA. Uh, he was uh, he was actually uh, the position actually went to Charlton Heston. Uh, at that time, who was uh, elected president, and uh, and they have worked tirelessly. If you want to find out more about uh, what's going on in the area of uh, gun rights, you can go to the firearmscoalition.org. And then, uh, like I said, go ahead and uh, register for an account at the Firearms Coalition. And then they will send you uh, the information on what's going on uh, across the nation. <clears throat> this is not, uh, like I said a while ago, this is not so that you can become an iceberg hunter. This is so that you can become informed on what's going on in the nation, not by listening to harem scarum uh, emails that are sent to you, but by reading the detailed information that they'll have there, and then making a decision on your own on what you want to do, on how you want to get, how, how much you want to get involved with this, and how you would like your representatives to vote for you. This is no different than any other uh, than any other proposition, any other uh, idea that comes before you as an American citizen, as you as one of the we the people of these United States that are part of the government, so you can make an informed decision on how you should vote and how you should in, how you should suggest to your representative that he votes as a representative of your desires and your wishes. You have to be an informed voter. You can't just uh you can't just make decisions from emotion. You'll need to make decisions based on the information that you have read the information that you yourself uh, have researched. So that's what I want each and every one of you to do. <clears throat> How does this fit into the Appleseed uh, ideology? Because if you look on the mission statement uh, that uh, for Appleseed, then you will see that it says uh, that you have a duty to be involved uh, in a civic way, all right. Uh, let me see if I, <clears throat> I'm trying to get the uh, get the exact wording of it here. The Revolutionary War Veterans Association is committed to renewing civic virtue, prioritizing civic responsibility over personal interests and indulgence. 
We're a wholly compromised of volunteers who commit time, resource, and passion toward achieving the RWVA mission. Renewing civic virtue, prioritizing civic responsibility. That's part of what I told you earlier is that the founder's idea was for a nation not of individual freedoms and liberties, but of collective freedoms and liberties and individual responsibility. Individual responsibility. That means that you yourself, you can't say, well, uh, I want the village to take care of this. Because you are part of the village. You can't say, well, I want the state to take care of this. Because you are a member of the state. Or you can't say, I want, uh, I want our nation to take care of this rather than me personally getting involved. You are the nation. You are the nation. You know, we have a, a kind of a parallel in with the Appleseed Project. People always talk about, uh, well, this idea came from National. Well, National is nothing more than a group of instructors uh, who probably live right down the road from you. Uh, you are the National. Now, in the same vein, uh, you know, we were talking, uh, uh, or I had some emails sent to me uh, last week, and they were talking about, uh, and I've discussed this with uh, with part of the Texas crew recently, uh, you know, about inviting uh, different folks to come and speak uh, at Appleseed events, not during the Appleseed, but afterwards, after the event is closed. And in the same vein, about folks going from Appleseed, going to other places and speaking. Now, there's no prohibitions on Appleseed instructors or members going and speaking at uh, uh, with different organizations, even at political organizations, as long as they're not endorsing a politician or endorsing any party or idea, there's no prohibitions on it. <clears throat> That's one of the reasons that uh, that Fred is going to the uh, National Tea Party Convention, and uh, he's one of the keynote speakers there, along with uh, uh, Congresswoman Michelle Bachman. Uh, Marsha Blackburn, uh, uh, Andrew Breitbart, Herman Cain, uh, Michael Chambers, Ann Coulter. Uh, he's part of the group of folks, and Speaker Newt Gingrich, uh, a, a whole group of folks that are going to be speaking at the Tea Party Convention, uh, including other voices uh, from uh, from the other side of the uh, of the uh, aisle. So there's no prohibition on folks going and speaking. Now, I say that with the caveat that obviously uh, we're not going to appreciate it if you go and speak at, uh, at some group that has a, uh, a radical or hate-filled agenda. All right? Nobody uh, – obviously we don't want folks uh, going to KKK conventions and speaking or uh, – uh, or or Black Panther conventions, or uh, or anything like that. But we do encourage you to get involved and speak at any of the uh, anytime there's any organization or group that is allowing you to go and speak in front of them. Then take that opportunity. 
because we are not a political organization. We don't have any politics. What we do have a message of is that is just just what I said, and that is uh, we're telling folks that the RWVA is committed to renewing civic virtue, prioritizing civic responsibility over personal interests and indulgence. And that's a message that we want to get out. And there's no reason that uh, you can't go and speak about that. And I encourage you to do so. Uh, If there's a a Tea Party uh, uh, meeting, then go and speak at it. If there's a Democratic Party uh, meeting, go and speak at it. If there's a Republican Party meeting, go and speak at it. As I said, you can't... uh, you can't endorse anybody, but you can put out the apple seed message, and everyone needs to hear it. If there is a Sons of the American Revolutionary uh, War meeting or a Daughters of the American Revolutionary War meeting, then go and speak at it. Uh, if there is a uh, – you can talk, speak to your church groups. You can speak uh, to uh, uh, your, uh, your city Groups. We have uh, uh, several of our members that have gotten uh, involved that way here recently. Uh, uh, Mr. Wright up in Dallas has got us uh, on the board, uh, the city board, uh, uh, as part of the uh, uh, the city governments there, and uh, and we're getting involved uh, at a grassroots level, and that's what we that's what we ask you to do. To become involved, let people know what we're doing. Let the message get out there without endorsing anyone. And then make sure that you are plugged in from your front door up to Washington, D.C., with your representatives, with your senators and congressmen, with your local uh, school board, with your your city uh, council, with... uh, with every every form of government between you and Washington, D.C., that you're plugging yourself in, that you're making your wishes and your desires known, that you're engaging in a healthy uh, debate where you represent uh, Americans who are attempting to do their civic duty. That's what we're asking you to do. That's what we're asking you to become involved in. And we're not going to tell you uh, what letter to put in front or behind your name or who to vote for or anything else. We're just telling you that in order for this country to work as it was intended to work, it takes every one of us. It takes every voice. Uh, You're going to have to make sure that you are engaging uh, in every place that you can. And And it's not that difficult, all right? It's not that difficult. Uh, you can Google uh, uh, senators and congressmen. Just put that in, and uh, and it will give you the uh, the uh, URL, the address, to find out who all of your senators and congressmen are uh, on the state level and national level. And then their emails will be right there. Email, introduce yourself, uh, invite them to an apple seed, and... Uh, and then let them know what your wishes are, what your, uh, what you would like them to do, how you would like them to vote. That's what we're asking you to do. 
We want to thank everybody for uh, for tuning in tonight. Be sure and listen in this next week. We have Beth Schoenfield from the Dairy Brownfield Show. She'll be our guest. Uh, we'd like you to keep uh, Beth Schoenfield in your prayers. Uh, Dairy Brownfield has passed away, and now they're trying to figure out uh, what exactly to do with the Dairy Brownfield Show. We're hoping that uh, they decide to keep Beth on and and keep her uh, running the show. We're going to have her on this next week uh, to, to talk about that very thing. Uh, God bless everybody, uh, and uh, be sure and tune in this next Thursday night at 7 p.m. Central. Good night. <laughs>